The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Today we're talking about I don't belong here. So I'm going to pray over this and we're going to jump in. Father, we just ask that you speak to us through your word. God, we all are here. We're thankful to be here. And I know, Lord, on different days at different times, there's some who don't know if they even belong. And so, Father, I pray that your word would speak to us today. Lord, help us to understand what it means to belong and help it to put in our heart, Lord, just a, a, a peace. Lord, of the connection that you want us to have. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, there's, I put up here, uh, I don't belong here. We can go to the next slide. It says, I don't belong here. And just list some areas that sometimes we struggle. And so pastoring, I run into people, and there's all different types of things that the people don't feel like they belong in. These are just a few. These aren't, this is not all-inclusive. These are things that I don't, I don't even feel like I belong at church. Or I don't feel like I belong at this church. I don't feel like I belong in this community. Like, I just don't feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. You know, I just don't belong. Anybody ever feel that way? Go ahead, look around. Okay, raise your hand. Close your eyes and raise your hand. Everybody close your eyes so nobody can see you. Raise your hand if you ever feel like you don't belong here. Okay, wait, keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Breeze right there. Simon says, keep your hand up. Okay, now everybody, really quickly, open your eyes and look around. Okay, look, you're not the only one. Notice my hand was up. <laughs> Sometimes I don't feel like I belong here. Okay, do you know what? Here's... A, here's I'm going to give you kind of a spoiler alert. It's because you really don't. Okay, can we just, you don't. Neither do I. Okay, outside of the grace of God, this isn't where I belong. Okay, so it's okay to just, first of all, just say, okay, you know what, sometimes I feel that way probably because I really just don't. Like, I needed God. I needed God's mercy. I needed his grace just to be able to be a part of a, a community of people and just to be in a place where I can come and worship him. So, but that is a feeling we all can struggle with, whether we belong or not. You know, I remember growing up, there's a song I used to sing. I don't know if anybody else knows this song, but I'm not going to sing it, but I will say it, unless Ray wants to come play guitar for me on it. No? He's like, I'll pass. Anybody ever sing the song, Nobody Likes Me, Everybody Hates Me? Does anybody know that song? What? Boom, right there. She knows it. And who wrote it? Your friend. <laughs> There's this song, Nobody Likes Me, Everybody Hates Me, I'm Going Out to Eat Worms. And I would just sing that like over and over and over again, like over. I don't even know where it came from, but I would just sing it. It was in my head. I'd just sing it. Somehow it made me feel better. I don't know. At least I thought it did until I started hiding in bathrooms and closets and not wanting to be around people. But I guess it didn't help me all I thought. But I used to just sing that song. It's like, I don't belong here. Like my family, we had seven kids. And sometimes I look around, I'm like, I don't even belong here. And then we all grew and one brother's 6'10 and one brother looks like uh, David Hasselhoff and took a picture with my mom, and I looked at it, and I go, yeah, I don't belong here. I'm adopted. I was like 5'10", pasty white. I go, yeah, I don't belong here. Like, we can be anywhere and feel like I don't even belong. I don't know if I should be here, but church, family, school. You be in school, man, I don't belong here. I don't know if I should be in this school. It can happen in parenting. Boy, I don't know if I was cut out to be a parent. Man, I don't know if I can take care of these kids. Man, I don't know if I can make it all the way. I don't know if I belong here. It can happen in marriage. Maybe I shouldn't have got married. Maybe this is the wrong fit for me. Maybe I don't belong in this marriage. Maybe I don't belong in marriage at all. 
Okay, everybody look at your spouse, and if that's about you, don't say a word. Just keep it quiet to yourself, okay? <laughs> but marriage can be one, your job. I don't know if I belong in this job. I hate my job. Every day I get up and I got to go to this job, and I don't even like this job. I don't want to be here. Sometimes we can feel that way. We can be discouraged, not want to give it our all. Sobriety. Man, I don't belong sober. Anybody that's ever gone through addiction ever feel like, man, sobriety's harder. <laughs> It can be hard. It can be much harder. A lot more anxiety, a lot more stress. Like, man, I got to deal with real problems, real relationships. It used to be if somebody got mad at me or, or somebody uh, hurt my feelings or if things weren't going well at work or whatever, I'd just go, man, get a drink. I forget about it. And yeah, I was sorry the next day, but boy, I just forget about it. All right now, I got to like stay awake. I got to know about it. I got to feel it. I got to feel real emotions. I got to feel real things. I'm anxious. Man, I know I can go to God for peace, but that takes time. Man, I can take a pill or light something up or shoot something up or drink something down that solves it right now. I don't know if I belong in sobriety. I'm not sure if that's for me. Sexuality. I don't know if I belong. Right? I know nowadays we look at sexuality and it's all about you know, LGBTQ and all that. But you know, biblically, sexuality is about a lot more than that. There's people that are just told, to, well, I'm straight, I'm this, I'm that. Well, that's great, but they're still not living in a way that's, that's honoring to God. And they're like, man, I don't know if I can deal with my own desires, my own passions. I just want to do all these things, and, and I'm not supposed to do these things. You know, it brings infidelity into marriage. It brings all types of, of problems in life as they're running around. And it's like, well, I don't know if I belong just in, 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 in just trying to have control over myself. I don't know if I'm made for that. Culture, I don't know if I belong in this culture. I don't like this culture. I don't like the way that people are canceling each other. I don't like the way people do this. I was born at the wrong time. If I was born in the 50s, then I'd be okay. I was born in the wrong state. I'm moving to Texas, where I'm free. Right? But you can live in Texas and still not be free. Right? So we look at culture. We look at time. You know, I'm born in the wrong time. Maybe I don't even fit or belong in life. Anybody ever feel that way? Ever feel that way? But look, like we've said before, this is not a showroom. This is a garage, Right? It's okay. Do you know what? If you fill out a form on an insurance thing, like a life insurance, it says, have you ever thought about not wanting to be alive? Okay, the automatic answer is no, otherwise your premiums are a quadruple. Okay, but outside of that, do you know what? Most people have had a thought at one time or another where they're like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Because Jesus said in this life, there's many struggles. It's not always easy. It doesn't make you crazy. It doesn't mean that you're just the odd person out or that you're totally ruined or destroyed because you woke up some days or, or been driving down the street and just thought, man, whew, I should just turn off of this. Just fly off of this bridge right now. Everybody think it's an accident. Well, that's morbid. You know, it's morbid, but those are thoughts people have. People really feel that way on some days when it's overwhelming and they're in a struggle. Like, man, I just want to get it. I just want to just, I don't know if I belong here. Underneath all this pressure and stress. Well, how old am I? Oh, I'm this old. I got this many days. Well, it's a long time I got left to go through some of these struggles. People feel like that. You know, maybe you felt like that before. So it says, man, with these types of thoughts, I probably don't belong here. Well, with those types of thoughts, you're probably actually in the right place because that's what people feel like sometimes. And that's okay. In the church, we try to run from that. You know, that's not faith. That's not love. That's not God's peace. Like that you, Well, you can't talk like that. But Jesus allowed people to come in their brokenness and open up and say, this is who I am, this is where I am, and he would love them, and he would try to pick them up and bring healing in their life. And so being willing to open up about where we are is important. Faith. I don't belong in the faith. Man, I look around, and this, this person's a Christian, a believer, and look how much better they are at it. 
Like, they're amazing at it. Like, wow. Just look at them. Like, their Bible has all the highlights in it. Their Bible has... Let me just tell you this. If you see someone with a paper Bible and it has a bunch of highlights in it, and all the ends of the pages are kind of dog-eared, bent over, and the cover's wearing off, and it looks like it's been used a ton, here's a little trick. Ask them if you can look at it for a second. And then turn to the front and see whose name is in it. And make sure it's theirs. <laughs> so you know you can buy those at the Goodwill, right? And they're already all, all done up. And some people will do that. They'll buy a Bible. They'll get a Bible that's already been used. They'll carry it around and look really spiritual. You say, man, that person looks so good on the outside. But how do you know what they are on the inside? How do you know if they love God? How do you know if they're walking with God? You say, well, I don't know if I belong here. I don't know if I belong in this life. I don't know if I belong in this faith. I can't get there. I can't do it. You know, Peter followed Jesus. He actually lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus. And when there was a struggle, a significant crisis, and Jesus was going to the cross, Peter just walked away. I don't know him. Anybody ever had a friend walk away when you really needed him? Anybody ever had a friend not just walk away, but actually tell people, I don't even know them. I was never their friend. I don't like them. Anybody ever had that happen to you? How devastating. That's what Peter did. Jesus was in a moment of need. He's like, I don't know him. He says, oh, no, we saw you. You're with him. We, you're, you're the guy. No, I don't know him. Nothing to do with him. And Peter had walked. He was a disciple. He was there. Sometimes you look at people and think, oh, well, they, they belong, man. They look really established. They look really Christian. But I'm not like that. But God looks at the heart. And God's looking and saying, you know, who is this person? And do you know what? When he looks at the heart, you know, sometimes we get intimidated by that because we say, well, what if he does look at my heart? There's problems in there. Well, think about it. Jesus looked at Peter's heart, and Jesus already knew that Peter was going to betray him, and he still loved him. He already knew that he was going to die, and he still loved him. So God already sees your heart. He already knows you got problems. He already knows you got issues. He knows that you struggle. And you know, he still loves you, and he still wants to bring you forward. He still wants to change your life. So we're going to get today into Matthew 22. There's a story. I'm going to read through the whole story, and then we're going to talk about it. But this is about a wedding feast, and there's a king, and he invited people to it. So Matthew 22, this is Jesus. He says, again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. So again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited. See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered. Everything is ready, so come to the wedding feast. Okay, so there's two things already happening here. One, they were invited before, and now he's prepared the wedding. Which, if you've ever been married and had a wedding, right, what do you do? First, you send out the invitations, and then based on the response of who's coming, right, then you order the food, right? You order how much food do we want, how much do we want to do this, like how many seats do we need, like... You plan the catering, you plan the event based on the responses, right? So that's what's happened here, is that he put this together, and he's got the wedding, he invited the people, now he's prepared the food, he's prepared, everything's ready to go, and so now they're going out to let everybody know, hey, it's ready, and they're saying, oh yeah, we're not coming, it's too busy, we're too busy. So it's not just that he randomly went out and said, hey, come on in. These are people who had already said they wanted to come. Right? Now think about that here. Think about that as in faith, as in your faith walk, as in church. People have already said, oh yeah, I want to follow Jesus. I want to come. I want to be a part of this. And then as things are moving forward, it's like, well, we kind of changed our mind. We're, we're too busy now. 
We don't want to engage. We don't want to belong. We don't want to do that. So this is what's happening in this story. And he says, tell them that the ones that I've invited, that I've already prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered. I mean, this is unfixable. Like, the, my animals are dead. Like, I've already got it cooked. So come on out. I've already invested myself. Everything's ready. He says, but they paid no attention, and they went off, one to his farm, another to his business. And then the other people even went up so far as to seize his servants, treated them shamefully, and then killed them. So the people that he sent out just to make the invitation, he kills them. They, they kill them. They wipe them out. Then the king was angry, and he sent his troops, and he destroyed those murderers, and he burned their city. So here he's, not for rejecting the feast, but because they became murderers, and they literally took them out. So this is all happening in this story, all the craziness that's going on. Verse 8 says, then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. So go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good, so that the wedding hall was filled with guests. So who did he go find? The bad and good. Did he go find the deserving? Did he go find all the people, the right ones to be there? The best? The names at the top of the ticket? No, he went out and invited the bad and the good. He went out and invited anyone that was willing to come. So if you show up at a wedding and you walk in, what is it that qualifies you to belong at the wedding? What's that? It's the invitation right? It's the fact that the person having the wedding invited you. Do you need another qualification? If you go to a wedding and you got invited, like I've been to lots of weddings, you get there, you get out of your car, you walk up, say, hey, do you have an invitation? Yeah, it's right here, I was invited. Do they ever ask you for more? Well, I see that, but that's a very interesting invitation you've got there. But, yeah, can we take a look at your gift? Oh, this gift is nice. Let me make sure it was on the registry. Something that they wanted. And that no one else has bought it. They want duplicates. Oh, let me see this. Oh, what car did you drive up in? Oh, well, I see you're on the invitation, but I don't think they knew you had that kind of car. Could you leave? What you just need is the invitation. Why? Because you're a guest of honor of the person that's actually having the wedding. And so when you've been invited by Jesus to come and be a part of his family, to come and be a part and in relationship and a part of what he's building, what else do you need? Do you need my approval? You don't. I'm the pastor of the church, but I'm not Jesus. Jesus invited you. It's his wedding. It's his feast. He gave his life for you. I didn't. Some days it feels like I do, for, depending on what's going on that day. It feels like I do for some, sometimes in some situations. But Jesus literally gave his life. He invited. And so when you walk in the doors of a church, guess what? God invited you. God qualified you through his son. That's what we just talked about at communion. So automatically you belong. And it's okay to be there. Now, once you're into a wedding, 
If you're already there, what should you do? What should you do once you're inside the wedding? Hmm? Enjoy it? Do you think the bride and groom want people to enjoy the wedding? Do you think the bride and groom want everybody at the wedding sitting around going, I don't know if I should be here? I don't know if I belong. I know at my daughter's wedding we had last year, we went in there, and at a certain point in the wedding, it turns into a, you know, we clear everything out, and there's a big dance floor, and everybody's dancing, right? How would you like to open up the dance floor, you put the music on, and nobody dances? And you go around, you're like, hey, man, come on, dance. They go, no, I don't even know if I should be here. Did you get an invite? Yeah, I got an invite. You're here? I'm here. Come and dance. Oh, I'm still struggling. Struggling with what? I'm still struggling with whether I belong here. Did you have an invitation? Yeah. Come and dance. Well, I know, but I just, I don't really know them that well. I'm going to get on the dance floor they realize I actually came. I mean, I know they sent invites out just to be generous and kind, and I got mine because they probably didn't want to offend me, and I was in their class like 10 years ago. And, but if I get on the dance floor and they realize I came, it might actually, they might wish I didn't come. Well, you got the invitation. They wanted you here. Hey, it's time to eat. The food's ready. Well, I don't know if I should eat. I got this whole table of food, and the catering's over, all the money's spent on it, and they come and they clear the food out, and they're throwing it away. They say, didn't nobody eat? There's a lot of people here. I know, but none of them felt like they should be here. They didn't eat. That's unfortunate. Because guess what? The food's already bought. It's already cooked. Right? The sacrifice of Jesus has already been made. He's already given his life. He's already poured everything out. So there's no benefit to not just partaking and enjoying what he's brought. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, but Jesus came that we can have life and have it more abundantly. But enjoying the abundantly, actually receiving the abundantly, requires us to just take on the attitude of, do you know what? Okay. Not sure how I got in, not sure why I was invited, but man, I am at the party. And since nobody else is going to eat, you bet I'm taking three plates. And since nobody else wants to dance, that's me out there winning the trophy. Well, that's fine, you won the trophy, but you're the only one that danced. (laughs) I'm the only one that danced, and I'm not ashamed, I'm taking the trophy home. I'm taking the trophy home. Why? Because I'm all in. Sometimes people come in, and when they have too much pride, they don't invest themselves fully. But when they come in with humility, and they're like, man, I can't believe I'm here, but I got one shot. And since I got one shot, I'm doing it all. When I, when I grew up, we used to go to buffets. Do they even have buffets anymore after COVID? It's like you can get everything. You can get mac and cheese. You can get Omicron. You can get this. You can get all of it. You just go around. It's all available. I don't even, now that I'm an adult and I look at a buffet and I was just, well, I'm not going to go too far, but hygiene is not what you think it is. And when you're old enough to be aware and you just came out of the bathroom with that guy and you're both about to use the same mashed potato thing and you realize that the sink never got used, I just like to order things that are wrapped for me now, right? That's how I do it. Or eat at home. Uh, So, but we had buffets. And when we went to a buffet, because we were poor, like, 
if we got in the door, we were eating with no shame. And my dad always said, get one more. I'm like, what? He's like, get one more. I'm like, one more what? Just get another plate. I'm like, I'm not hungry. He's like, we take it home. <laughs> always, we take it home. My grandma walk out of, walked out of, uh, what's it called, Chuck North, North Chuck in Oregon. No, it, was, it wasn't Chuck Wagon. It was North, North Chuck. There was Chuck Wagon. This was a different place. We were poor, so we went to North Chuck. <laughs> and she walked out with fried chicken wrapped up in napkins. Just, you know, you put them in the pockets. You get out. <laughs> just leave them with chicken, right? Why? Because we knew, man, we got in here, and we can't provide like this for ourselves. So we're getting out the door with everything we can get. <laughs> everything. We went to Olive Garden. They had the never-ending lunch, possible. Anybody seen it, been there for that? At the Olive Garden, never-ending possible? Well, my dad pushed the limits on that, too. Our whole table, there's like 10 of us there. Lady comes out says, okay, so you guys are all done. And the whole table, like, we've been there like an hour, like, still sitting in the table. table's like, we'll take one more. <laughs> and then as soon as she brings it back, like, still sitting in the dish, nobody's touched it. Can we get to go box? Oh, I see the game. But we were taking everything that we could get. Okay, well, we get into God's kingdom sometimes when people get in the door and they're just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I should be here. I don't know if I can take that. I know God offers peace, but I don't know if I should take it. I know that God offers forgiveness, but I'm going to beat myself up over what I did for the next 20 years because I'm not sure if I should take that. And so we're there, and it, he's already paid for it. It's already there. But we don't want to receive it because we don't feel that we belong. So servants went out. It says, tell them that the people are, are here. And he says, so go grab all of them, the good or the bad. Catch them back up to where you were. And he says, everybody comes. The wedding hall was filled with guests. But in verse 11, when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw that there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he was speechless. And the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot, cast him into outer darkness. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. That's confusing. Because he literally just invited everybody in. Right? No strings attached. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. And they all get in. And there's one guy that doesn't have the right outfit on. And he's like, get him out of here. Tie him up. Throw him out. Anybody ever feel like maybe that's going to be you? Like, I'm here, but at some point I'm probably getting thrown out. I'm here, but something's not quite right. Not, I can't settle. And look, here's proof. This guy comes in, he's got the wrong thing, he's getting thrown out. Have any of you been on the other side? Where you're looking at people and you're like, I'm feeling pretty good about things, but man, I don't think that guy's got it, that gal's got it right. We need to get her thrown out. The context of that part of the passage is not simply that he goes in and everybody's got on nice outfits and he looks at one guy and goes, man, you're not dressed very good. You should get out of here. Throw him out. He's embarrassing. That's not the point. Back in those times, when they took those reservations for the wedding, they started planning how many calves are we going to kill, how much food are we going to have. Part of the actual planning was who's coming because each person was made their own garment by the host. They actually made a garment, a garment that fitted them, 
that covered them, that brought them honor. It didn't matter if they were poor. It didn't matter if they were rich. It didn't matter if they had been uh, criminals and they had been freed. None of it mattered because when they came into the wedding, everybody would receive the robe that was made for them, that covered them, and they would come in and they'd give your ticket. And now you get your robe and you walk in. It's like, this is me. And you look around and go, oh, this person was invited. Oh, this person has the robe. Oh, this person. And so this particular gentleman that came to the wedding would have come in and when was offered the robe that was made for him, would have rejected it. I don't want that. Well, it was measured for you by the master and he's made it for you to be a part of the wedding and it's part of what identifies you. I don't want to be identified with that. I don't want to do that. It was considered a great sign of disrespect. So I'm coming in, I'm going to do my thing, I'm here to enjoy this wedding, but I'm not having his stuff put on me. I'm my own man, I'm my own person. I reject that, I'm just coming in. That's the mindset and the attitude of this person that just comes in. It's not that they were poor, it's not that they didn't have the right clothes on, it's, not that, it's that everything was provided, but they didn't want that provision. They wanted to do it on their own. They want to do it in their own strength. They want to do it in their own way. Pride. Bible says in James, James 4, 6, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The person came in and they were proud, so why didn't he belong? He was invited. He was welcomed at the door. He got all the way inside, right? He was at the party, but it was his pride that caused him not to belong. That verse in 22, 11 says, but when the king came in and looked at the guests, he saw the man, he had no wedding garment. The guy insisted on doing his own thing, doing his own way. So here's two realities. Reality number one, you can be where you belong without experiencing the blessing that's meant to be. You can be exactly where you're supposed to be and not live in the blessing that God meant for it to be. You can be in the right job and not be enjoying it, not getting promoted, not having any peace there. I just need a different job. Sometimes it's not the job. Sometimes you're right exactly where you're meant to be, but because of your own heart, you're unable to actually just receive it and enjoy it and to be there. Either because you're looking over the fence, you're coveting something else, you don't want to have patience, you don't want to forgive, and somebody at the job's offended you, whatever it might be, you don't want to start at the bottom and work up because you just, I should be at the top, I'm better than that person. You can be in the right spot, and the Bible is full of people that were in the right spot that would have felt wrong. Joseph was down in the dungeon, but God had him there for a purpose. Esther was put away with a bunch of concubines and waiting to even be seen while the rest of her people were being threatened to be slaughtered and genocide happening. The Bible says you're here for such a time as this. In the right place, and when people's eyes and heart are fixed on Jesus and they're trusting God, they realize, you know what, this doesn't feel like where I belong, but because it's where God's brought me. It's like that song we sing, there's another in the fire. That song's about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They got thrown in the fire for disobeying. They didn't bow down to the, the idol that was made, so they got thrown in the fire. So I don't belong in the fire. I don't belong in a hard time. I don't belong in a struggle. I love God. I serve God. God should be doing something in my life to produce something good in other people's lives. He should be using me as an example, not as firewood. I didn't become a Christian to become firewood. I don't want to do that. And they're thrown in the fire. But then what happened? They lived. 
And the king looks inside the fire and says, hey, there's a fourth person in here. We only threw in three. Realizes that they're being protected by God, that God's in the fire with them, and he turns his heart and turns the kingdom. Because that is where they belonged. They actually belonged in the fire. Maybe you're going through a struggle right now and you're like, I don't belong here. Maybe you are exactly where you belong. Maybe the struggle is where you are supposed to be right now. Well, that's not fair. Jesus sat in the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, Lord, if there's another way, Father, if there's another way, take this cross off of me, take this path off of me. But your will be done. Sometimes we're in a struggle. I think, man, I don't belong in this struggle. Your environment, your location is not what determines your belonging. What determines it is the company that you're with. Am I with God? Am I where he is? Am I where he wants me to be? Because if it's in the fire, then that's where I belong. If it's in a season of blessing and he's moving forward and he's taking the promised land and the walls are coming down and all these things are happening and this is where I'm going, then that's where I want to be. I just want to be where he is. I want to walk with God. I want to know God. I'm going where he's going. And so sometimes even if you struggle, but that's a reality. You can be where you belong without experiencing the blessing. The flip of that's true too. You can be where you don't feel like you belong. But because you're with God and it is, you're experiencing blessing. Paul and Silas, man, they were praying, worshiping God in the middle of a dungeon. The chains fell off, doors were open, man, God brought blessing. They didn't feel like they belonged there. Reality number two, you can lose the blessing of belonging when you insist on doing things your own way. You can be exactly where God wants you, and you can lose all the blessing of it because you just have to do it the way you want to do it. Maybe you are in the right marriage, and you think, ah, this marriage isn't fit for me, but you've never actually tried to love your wife as Christ loves the church. That's what the Bible says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church, and to give yourself up for her. How did Christ love the church? He literally sacrificed his whole life in order to restore his church. Well, I don't like that. There's a lot of things about what God wants to do that I don't like. That's why it took me a long time to serve him. Like, look at how he did things. I'm like, Egh. it goes against everything in my nature. I want to do it. First will be last, the last will be first. I mean, all these things. God's ways are different. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Maybe you're in a, in a, in a marriage and you've been hurt. Say, well, yeah, but, but they hurt me. Okay. But forgiveness is God's direction. It's God's way. It's one of God's garments. He says, you know what? If you're one of my people here, I'm putting this on. You're a forgiver. This is part of what you wear. This is part of who you are. You bring forgiveness. Real forgiveness that forgets, that lets go. But if you reject things and want to do your own way, you can still be stuck in that spot. You can be stuck in that marriage. You feel like, man, this thing's a mess. I hate this. Or in your job or in your family. So many areas of life. Culture, the Bible says, as much as it's possible, live at peace with all men. For us, our, our, 
our call by God is to actually live at peace with people, to try to win them over through peace and love and care. I don't belong in this culture. I don't like these people. I don't like what they say. I don't like what they do. I hate this. I hate that. Okay, that's doing it in our own strength and our own way because that's what our flesh wants to do. It wants to just smash and break everything that doesn't agree with us. But we can actually just take on God's way and love. And even in a culture sometimes that feels like it's going crazy, we can still find peace. Because we're doing things God's way. We're walking with God. There's so many areas. Matthew 22, 8 through 10. I'm going to reread that part. It says, And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, and the guests that I invited aren't worthy of the honor. So now go out to the street corners and invite everyone that you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, the good and the bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. You just get in by accepting an invitation. And once you accept the invitation, you stay in by accepting the way that the master wants the wedding to be run. Hey, this is your, this is your garment. This is how we do things here. And it's talking about heaven. It's talking about receiving the sacrifice of Jesus. But it's also talking about this life. Because you can live this life and you can get into the wedding. The church is full of people who have no peace. They have no joy. Relationships are a mess. They don't know God. They're not close to God. They're mad at their brother. They're mad at their sister. They're into all types of things they shouldn't be. Everything's in their own struggle, their own strength, their own way. The church is full of that. People who don't want to be open, they don't want to be humble. But the way that God brings us in is through humility. It takes humility to walk up to that thing, give the ticket, and say, hey, the first wave of guests didn't come, so I'm kind of in on a second ticket, but here, can I get in? And then when it says, hey, here, put on the master's coat. Oh, okay, I've never, never dressed like this before. Never worn this. I've never forgiven. I've never loved. I've never served. I've never been generous. Whatever it might be, I'm going to put it, okay, I'm putting it on. And I'm walking in. And then to live that way, if you've ever worn something that you're not used to wearing, right? Is it comfortable? Is it comfortable to put on like that tuxedo and get that thing tied up around your throat and you can't even talk? You can't breathe? to put on the high heels, to get out there and to be at the, at the wedding and be doing this stuff, and you're like, ah. That's not about legalism. It's about God just has a better way of living, and we're not used to it. We're not used to being in that type of environment. We're not used to dressing like that. But when we do and we follow his way, things turn out better. We find peace. We find joy. We find connection. We find actually the ability to rest in just belonging. Hey, I'm here. It's okay to be here. Maybe you're doing really well right now. Like, man, I, I, yeah, I belong here. I'm looking at half the people in here, and they probably don't. But I do. You might go through something next year, and you're like, man, shoot. Now that everybody realizes I actually have a problem now, so I'm going through this new thing. Maybe I don't belong here. I got to run. Don't run. Stay. Open up. Be vulnerable. Let people know. 
hey, man, I know that you had me in charge of this department. You thought I was going to be a good leader and stuff like that. But turns out, you know, just this last couple of months, something happened in my family, and I got discouraged. Man, I've been just doing all kinds of stuff I shouldn't do. And I know you're probably going to throw me out now. I know I'm probably no good. I know I... Hey, stop! We're in it for the long haul. We're in it to build each other up, pick each other up. Right? The righteous man falls seven times, right? And again, he rises. Two are better than one. If one stumbles, the other one can pick him up. God wants to build a place and build in our hearts where we can relax, breathe, and say, hey, I'm here, and I'm full of faith, but I got to struggle. I've been discouraged. I've been depressed. I've been this. I've been that. I got to struggle. And there to be other people, because it's different seasons, who say, man, I'm doing great. My job's great, my marriage is great, my finances are great, I see you're going through a struggle. And where the heart is not, so you're a loser. But the heart is, I'm in position right now to be a help to you. And then later, if they go through a struggle, the other person can go, hey, remember when you helped me? I'm in position to help you. And we have this ongoing cycle of people picking each other up and lifting each other up and caring for each other and this place of belonging. And all that it takes is for us to receive the gift that God's given us through Jesus and then to stay humble and aware that, man, I'm here on a free ticket. I'm going to try to live the way that the master wants me to live. And when I see other people, I'm going to try to help them do the same because we're all here on his invitation. And we're going to try to have as much fun here as we can. We're going to try to get as much out of this as we can. Because it's already provided. It's already available. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just pray, Lord, that each person here, God, would be filled, Lord, with a sense of your love, God, that you care for them. Lord, that you would grow that love in us, Lord, for each other, God, that we would care for one another. Lord, help us to be open, vulnerable, real, authentic Father not because we want to live in our old ways but God because we want to be freed from them and healed from them Lord your word says Lord that if we confess our sins one to another and pray for each other God we can be healed or we can be free God we can receive from you and so Lord I pray Father that you would help us in that area Lord to, to grow closer together more open, more transparent, more connected. Lord, with you and with each other. The Lord, everyone would be able to rest and have a peace so that they could enjoy all that you've provided. The abundant life, Lord, that you want us to live in. Not just financially, but spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. In Jesus' name, amen. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.